Thank you for joining the Capital Church Podcast. We believe that Jesus is for you and that through these expressions of our community, you will find hope, healing, and belonging. To learn more, join us live every week online and visit our website at capitalchurch.co or send us an email at info at Just to be clear, he still didn't get it right. I am a happy grandfather. No, it, is a, it is a privilege to be here, and I am a happy grandfather. I've got two granddaughters who are getting married, one in April, one in July. Hard stop on my calendar. So we, uh, Chris and I talked, because uh, he's, you know, I wanted to be here and just be a part of the church, because I've heard so many good things about it. And we're talking about, you know, what would be a good word. And he said, well, you know, what do you see as the biggest need for the church today? And without batting an eye, I said forgiveness. We suck at forgiveness. Now, the world doesn't do it at all. Uh, but the church, unfortunately, has drunk deeply at the well of culture. And we consider it a, a virtue to be outraged instead of forgiving. You know, I... I and what I want to talk about today is, well, let's, do you guys know the Lord's Prayer? Yes. Do you ever do that? Let's just pray that prayer together. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, Deliver us from evil, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. What are the next two verses? You got those memorized, right? The next two verses? Nobody remembers them because they're really hard words from our Lord. If you forgive people their trespasses, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you do not forgive their trespasses, neither will your father forgive your trespasses. Those are hard words. Because, well, forgiveness is just, it's impossible. It's impossible. And without the power of the Holy Spirit, it really is impossible. But with the power of the Holy Spirit, it can be done. And what I want to do is talk today about what I just call ordinary forgiveness. Now, if your name is Tyree Nichols and you're dead because you've been beaten to death by five police officers in Memphis, Tennessee, and his family forgiving the police officers, I'm not talking about that level of forgiveness. I love it. It's still 35. I'm, I'm, this is going to be a good service. It's going to go forever. Yeah. I'm not talking about the extraordinary kind of stuff that's in that kind of a circle. I'm just talking about ordinary kind of forgiveness, but the principle I'm going to talk about today work in all kinds of different things. But I'm thinking in normal relationships, family relationships, colleagues at work, members of the church together, and when we offend, how do we do forgiveness? And that's what I want to talk about here today. So when I think about the impossible work of forgiving, I, Jesus made it really simple. In the Gospel of Luke, it really is one verse. But let's read this out loud together. Pay attention to yourselves. If your brother sins, rebuke him. 
And if he repents, forgive him. Even if they sin against you seven times in a day and seven times come back to you saying, I repent, you must forgive them. Yikes. Okay, one verse. One verse. Don't you hate it when one verse is impossible to, for, to obey? What's the first thing you do in a context? Because forgiveness comes when somebody gives me pain. Some sort of an offense. And the currency of forgiveness is pain. Now, if you got money, it's really simple because you can count the dollars. But pain is, it's not so easy to count. But the currency of offense is pain. If somebody gives me five units of pain... Under justice, what do I do? I give them five units of pain. And then they give me five units of pain, and I give them five units of pain, and the cycle goes on. Forgiveness breaks the cycle. And restores relationships. Now, vengeance, somebody gives me five units of pain, I give them six units of pain, just to pay them off for being a jerk. And... That's the Lamech cycle from Genesis chapter 4. So what do we do with this? Well, what's the first thing? What's the first command here in the cycle of forgiveness? What's the first command? Pay attention to yourself. It begins with me. And why is it that I need to pay attention to myself? So I look at this. In the next slide here, I watch yourself. I watch myself. Now, offendor or offended? Is this talking about the offendor, the giver of pain, or the offended, the receiver of pain? Yeah, you know, you get a professor up here and he wants to quiz you. It's like that. <laughs> it's the way it is. I ask you questions and you all answer. And you in the back, I'm watching you. You online, I'm watching you. Is this offendor or offended? It's the offended. Many times what happens is the cycle of forgiveness begins with the one who is recipient of pain. Now the best cycle is if I offend my pretty wife and I recognize it, is I begin it as the offendor. That's way better. A lot of times it doesn't work that way. So Jesus begins in kind of realistic situations, but it begins with watch yourself. How come? And the answer simply is that I've been given pain. And so what I need to do at that spot is acknowledge my hurt and my pain and my anger. I need to acknowledge the hurt and the anger. Why don't I want to look at the pain? Well, the answer is really simple. It hurts. It's way to say, hey, I don't have any pain. It's all good. And this next slide kind of puts it in graphic form. The difference between suppressing or ignoring my pain and doing forgiveness is the difference between a lump of coal and a diamond. That's where it is. So it just seems so good to, that's all okay, I'm fine, no pain, no foul, you know, it's okay. What's the problem? I still have the pain. And what happens is, if I leave that pain in me, is it a ferments. And it goes really bad. It stinketh, to put it in technical term. 
It stinketh. And what it does is when I don't deal with the pain, I do, oh, it's all right, I give it to God, it's good. Uh, what will happen as it ferments is that it will turn into cynicism, skepticism, self-protection, and it poisons my soul. I can't receive love if I can't open myself in vulnerability. And the person who wants to love me, I can't because they've given me pain and don't trust them. And I've got to look at that. I don't want to become that sarcastic. And then what happens is I'll take that pain and I'll take it out on some innocent person. My kids, my cat. Well, I don't have a cat, but I do it anyway. And we've got to do that because what happens is I've got to look for that root of bitterness. And bitterness is when I live with the pain and especially when I acknowledge it, I just become a pained person and I become a painful person. Relationships are more hard because that, that pain stacks up. I, it, it, you see it. You see in old people. I mean, you get little kids. You know, I love Whitney. She's my absolute favorite person in the whole entire known world. She's such a great young woman. I've seen her at home taking care of the whole family. And you see people like this. How old are you, Whitney? Nine. Nine? Ten. Ten. Okay, same age as Michael, my grandson. You want to get married? <laughs> no, not yet. I, what happens is people are younger and vulnerable and playful and such. As they get older, they become more self-protective, more guarded, more angry, it's because they're not dealing with the pain. Wow. We've got to do that. We've got to do that. So look for that root of bitterness. Okay, so pay attention to yourselves. What's the next command? Rebuke the one. Now, rebuke's a strong word, but, you know, it's Jesus' word, so we'll take it. Offendor or offended? offended. Now rebuke's a hard word to be sure and if somebody's clearly sinned against me to rebuke them is appropriate. A lot of times though it's not quite that clear. So I tone this down a little bit because rebuke can be a you know, slam kind of thing but rebuke can also mean let's talk about it. And the reason I do this is because I love the person. I'm talking about in ordinary relationships, family, workplace, church life, ordinary relationships, I begin with love, and what love is is seek the other, what goes in the blank here? What goes in the blank here? Yeah, I seek the other person's what? They're good or best, yeah. Even at cost of my own comfort. And see, that's the love relationship that Jesus showed us, and therefore we show each other. I grew up on that song, They'll Know Each Other By Our Love, the Catholic charismatic song that nobody sings anymore. I'm not sure why. <laughs> you know, they will know us by our love. It comes right from Jesus. And that means that I seek somebody's best even when they've given me that gift of five units of pain. And that means I need to deal with my own comfort. So when I do this, now practical steps, what I do here is I ask permission to give feedback. I just don't dump a load on them. I say, hey, can we talk about what happened last night? And they may say, you know, now it's not a real good time. Could we do it later today? Okay, sure. I mean, we're, we're in effect setting up an appointment to do this. So I ask permission to give feedback. And then what I do at this point, and this is very simple, is I affirm the person 
while identifying the offense. See, and that's the critical. If I only identify the offense, the offense that makes us kind of enemies or guarded or something like that. But I come in and I say, you know, I relish the fact that we've been friends for five years. I like the fact that you're a Chiefs fan, whatever's important. Yeah, my son, Don, lives in Kansas City, he has two season tickets, seven rows up, 10 yard line. You can tell who he's for. And what was I doing on Christmas Eve day? Freezing to death in Arrowhead Stadium. <laughs> you affirm the person for something that's real and then identify the offense. Now the trick is how do you do that in such a way that it doesn't just give pain back? John Gottman is the marriage specialist. He runs the Marriage Institute of University of Washington. He's written a number of materials, does a lot of things. And he gives a very simple formula. In situation X, when you did Y, I felt Z. Okay, read this together. In situation X, when you did Y, I felt Z. Now, what's not there? You're a jerk. You know, you hurt me. You always, none of those kinds of stuff. What I'm doing at this spot is I'm really, I'm giving them the gift of my feelings. I'm giving my friend, my family member, my church partner, I'm giving them the gift of my feelings. Now these are hard feelings because I'm talking about the pain in my life. It's easy to talk about the happy feelings. It's harder to talk about the painful feelings, but that's what we're talking about. But I'm doing it this way, last night, when you're watching the game and you dissed Mahomes, I felt hurt. <laughs> I mean, I'm being a little silly here. But the point is, identify it specifically. It's not you always, or I can never trust you, or those kinds of things. It's very specific. And we deal with it soon. We don't wait six months to do it. In situation X, when you did Y, I felt Z. That's a huge gift, but it makes me vulnerable because when I open up my real feelings like this, they can use that against me. So there's a, rex, there's a risk here, but I'm taking that vulnerability in order, because that's the act of love. Okay. Now, back to the verse. What's the next thing? Mm -mm. Repent. If he repents. Now there's an if here, because if the person will not do this next step, it changes the situation. But the next step is to confess and repent. Offendor or offended? That's the offendor. And this is to work the relationship, we come back now, and the first thing is to acknowledge the offense and the hurt. And what you're doing at that spot, say if I'm the one that gives offense to my pretty wife and she identifies it and comes back, is I acknowledge, yes, when I walked past you and didn't reach you and left you alone in a crowd, that left you hurting. I'm acknowledging the offense and taking responsibility for it. See, so as we look at this, the key thing here is to take responsibility for the hurtful act. That's the key. Take responsibility. I didn't mean to do it. Irrelevant. That's not the point. The point is, 
I, and this is a real situation I'm thinking of, because my pretty wife, it just, she just feels really left out a lot of times, because I know everybody and she knows nobody. And if I leave her out, it leaves her hanging loose. Well, I didn't mean to ignore you, but I did. But I wanted to bless all these other people. That's true, but you still left me alone. See, I'm taking responsibility for that. Now, here's the key. Without, without explaining or apologizing. There's a time for both of those, but not here. The time here is to say, I walked past you and left you alone. Period. Full stop. See, because what happens is when I explain... I'm taking the focus off of your pain that I gave you and put it back on me again. Why, I'm really a good guy after all. No. Why can't I say at that point, I'm so sorry, pretty wife, I didn't mean to ignore you. If I say, I'm so sorry, what does that make her have to do by culture? It's okay. We're not ready for that yet. The point here is to confess with responsibility, full stop. Now there's more to do, but not yet. Okay, so I do that. The next thing is to express remorse. Again, not, just leave out the word I'm sorry. There's a place for that, but not yet. I really regret that I hurt you when I didn't include you in the conversation. I, 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 I hurt that I did that. I'm sad that I shirked my responsibility to you. You know, take express remorse because this is the key that makes this work is where the offended person walks into the pain that I gave, in this case, as I'm using this illustration, the pain I gave my pretty wife. If I step in and share that pain with her, I don't walk away free. I'm including myself in the pain that I gave her, which hurts me. But that's the key that makes this work. And that's the confession, repentance. And then the last thing here is promise, promise, restitution and change. I know this is a lie, but I'll never walk by you again, pretty wife. Well, that's, I would, don't, say, don't say what you can do, but no, I, I, what I'm going to do is I want to remind myself every time you go into a social situation that you're number one on my list. Something like that. And then offer touch. That offer touch, I, I, I don't reach out and touch her at that point, but I offer touch if she's willing to receive it because that touch full person experience, now I'm affirming the relationship and taking responsibility for what I've done. Now, the verse doesn't have it, but I think this next step is critically important, which is to receive the confession. Because it goes on to forgive, and that's a step, but I think this is important, which is just to receive the confession. The thing that got me thinking about this is I was on an airplane a while back, and when the when you land and they pull up to the gate and they turn off the seatbelt sign, what does everybody do? Leap at our seat, grab their thing out of the overhead compartment and try to get off the airplane, which makes for a horrible mess. Well, I always sit on a window seat, so it didn't do me any good to get up anyway, but I was watching and a woman back behind me reached up, grabbed a big bag of the overhead compartment, it was a little bit too big for her, and she dropped it on the head of, I take it, her daughter. And it hurt. 
And the mom was immediately, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm sorry. You're okay. That kind of stuff. And the daughter could not receive the confession yet. She was still hurting. And the, the mother just got more and more frantic because she needed to know it was okay. But that receiving confession, which is very similar to the previous state, and that's the offended, acknowledged the offense and the hurt. Yes, it did hurt. This would be like from Sherry's perspective. It did hurt when you walked by me and didn't include me in the conversation. That did hurt. And then express gratitude. Thank you for taking responsibility for what happened and not shirking it off. And that's so important, expressing the gratitude. I received that confession. It did hurt. Thank you for taking responsibility. And then accept the confession. And I say, just use that phrase. I accept your confession as a gift to me. Thank you. I now, what are you not doing at this spot? I'm not forgiving. I'm not there yet. And then offer touch. Again, you're completing the relationship. And again, I'm talking about friends, family, that sort of stuff. I'm not talking about Tyree Nichols or uh, that kind of thing. And just ordinary kind of stuff. Now, this can happen in much more complicated things. I'm working in the pastoral situation right now where an engaged couple turned out that the guy was with another woman. Well, he's engaged to my to the one couple he the woman he should have been. And I've got to work I'm helping him work through that. That's a horrible offense. The same principles work there, it just takes more to it. So in a case like that, if this continues, and this is brand new, so I don't know where it's going to go, it's going to take some professional counseling. I'm an experienced pastor, but I'm not a professional counselor. It's going to take more than I can do. But see, in ordinary forgiveness, you don't need a counselor. I mean, you may, but a lot of times you just need a friend to help you walk through it. You know? Back to the verse again. What's the last thing? Forgive. Now, to give an example, in Matthew, which is the parallel passage, Matthew 18, forgive is by the offended. Matthew 18. He tells this parable at the end of the story. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one who was brought to him owed him 10,000 talents. Now, talent is a year's wage. So this is 10,000 years worth of money. It's a huge, huge debt. And since he could not pay, the master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me and I will pay you everything. And here's the key, verse 27. Out of pity for him or compassion, the master of that servant canceled the debt and forgave him. So the forgiveness, the first thing is, the foundation of this is to take pity or have compassion on the offender. And see, that takes back to the Holy Spirit. Because what happens when somebody offends me, I'm the righteous victim. I never sin. I am completely righteous. 
He, however, is a liar and a jerk. You know, and well, I occasionally shade the truth a little bit. But he's a liar. You know, we do that because that's the way the world works. That's the way the serpent thing is. I become the righteous guy. He becomes the horrible person. And why is that? Because the pain is really real right now. And the thing at this point is to look at him as a person and say, even though he's really offended me at this point, he's still a person and I take compassion on him. That's an act of the Holy Spirit to do that. But it's an act of life. I have to get rid of the idea that I need to demonize him. He's just a liar. He's just a whatever. No, he's a person. Yeah, he did a bad thing at this spot. But it's a person for whom Christ died. It's a person with whom I have relationship. And then what do I do? Put the next slide up there. And what's, what goes in the blank here? No. Cancel the debt. Cancel the debt. What's the currency of offense? Pain. Somebody gives me five units of pain. They have a debt. Five units. When I cancel a debt, I give up my right under justice to give that pain back to them. Now again, forgiveness never ever ignores justice. This is wrong. There is absolutely an offense. It goes beyond justice. It goes beyond justice. Why? Because of what Jesus did on the cross. Because of what the Holy Spirit's doing in my life. Because the ethic of love, even your enemies, which is a Christian ethic, uniquely. And because of that, because of that, I'm going to cancel the debt. Okay. He gave me five units of pain. I can't give it back to him. What happens to the pain? What happens to that five units of pain? Stays with me. Stays with me. Now that's why we began to take note of yourself because if I don't do something about that pain, it ferments and becomes stinky and I become bitter and cynical and untrusting. So the forgiveness finishing up this point here, that forgiveness is releasing the debt. So going back to Matthew chapter 4, or going to Matthew chapter 4, this is Jesus, and he is, uh, had been out in the desert being tempted by the serpent, and when he comes back, he's walking along the seashore, and he sees some guys by their boats, and he said to them, Follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. Where is the word afiemi that means forgive in this verse? Where is afiemi? How is it translated here? Yeah, I know you're supposed to think. It's their church. I'm not supposed to think. Yes, you are. We sing about a sound mind. Which word is, which word is the translation of afiemi, the forgive word? Not follow. Left. Left. They forgave their nets. What does that mean? They left the nets by the boats and stood up and followed Jesus. They left their nets behind. That's the forgive thing. So in Matthew 18, take pity, master's servant canceled that and forgave him 
It means they let him go. And that's the point. So let him go is the last step here. Let him go. Now, the problem is, what do I do with that pain? I don't have any pain. Yes, you do. I don't want to feel the pain. Sorry, you will feel it one way or another. What you have to do with that pain is process it, which means you need to take it out, take that out of the dark. Bad stuff happens in the dark. Take that bad thing, bring it into the light of God's grace and healing, almost always with a friend that I can talk to without editing. And that's where the community of Christ comes in. Hopefully you have a friend or friends that you can talk to without editing. Now, I'm always editing stuff because I'm one of these offensive people. I'm an eight on the Enneagram. I'm a challenger. I just want to tell everybody what a jerk they are. (laughs) Well, not quite, but I, and I'm always running a script to say as is appropriate to say, but I have friends that I can talk to without editing. I have both men and women who are friends at that level. Uh, and I do. So Dave Wenzel is one of my very close friends. We've been friends for 35 years. We've been through a lot of stuff together. And I can talk without editing to him. And I do. And that's where I process the pain is with somebody like that. And I bring it out. And then as the Holy Spirit refines that, it dissipates because I put it in the context of God's grace and healing. And that's, that's where it works. But I can't ignore it. The last step here is to rebuild the relationship. Now, critical, critical thing is forgiveness and trust are not the same thing. Because the lie is, I can't forgive because I can't forget. Nobody said you should. The lie is, you know, there's just a lot of rise around this. And the thing of it is, is that forgiveness means I give up my right to give him five units of pain back. It does not mean that I trust him. That's a separate step. But you've got to do the forgiveness step before you can do the rebuilding trust step. So in the case of my pretty wife, she grew up in an abusive home. Her dad was a very angry man. And she grew up dissociative. I mean, stuff she just did not remember. Her, her mind is such that she does not process things like that. And after we've been married 15 years or so, uh, we she went to see our family doctor, Greg Knopf, And Dr. Greg said, sure, you're depressed. She said, how can I be depressed? I'm married to the most perfect man in the entire world. (laughs) Not exactly what she said. But she did say, you know, my life is good. And it it, it was. But Greg said, no, you're depressed. And the third time he did that to her, he gave her cards of two Christian psychologists. He said, go see one of them. Take your choice. And she went to see Dave Waller, nasty little shrink. That's my name for him. Dave's a good friend. I called him a nasty little shrink when he began working with my wife because we had stopped being friends. Great, amazing man of God. Dave and Gwen were still longtime friends. Started working through stuff around depression and then got to the spot where they, as they're terminating from the depression work, they somehow broke through the dissociative barriers and she began to remember what happened to her little girl. And she had to remember the stuff that her dad had done to her. Her dad was dead when that happened. Can she forgive him? 
She can. Because she can't hurt him back directly, but she can process, he was an angry man, he's a bad guy, I had a terrible dad, all that kind of stuff. And she said, not to do, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. But she had to write a letter to her mom, her sister, and her brother just to lay things out, just to heal those relationships. See, that's what you're talking about, rebuilding trust, and that never happens when you ignore the pain. So you build a relationship. How do you do that? And this is both of you doing that. When you rebuild the trust, you overcome evil with good. And when that memory comes up, when that memory comes up of what happened to me, well, look at this passage. It's up there on the screen. Who said, who's speaking here in Isaiah 43? Who's speaking here? That's God. I am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake, and I will not remember your sins. Now, question. David and Bathsheba. Has God forgiven David for his sin of raping Bathsheba? Yes. Yep. Does he remember that sin? Careful, trick question. It says he will not remember it. Does that mean that he has no memory of David raping Bathsheba? Does that mean God does not read his own Bible? (laughs) And see, the trick here is to look at the difference here. And what it says is don't remember, but that's not the same thing as don't forget. Because see, forget means racing the memory. Let me show you what remember means. Deuteronomy chapter 5. Deuteronomy chapter 5 is what remember is. This is the command as the people are going into the land. And he says it this way. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt and the Lord your God brought you out from a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. What does remember mean? It means take knowledge, bring it into active memory so it shapes my behavior. Remember is an act of refreshing, bringing in active memory so that my behavior is shaped. So in a forgiveness context, when I remember, I remember this is a person that I've done many good things with. I bring that into active memory so it shapes my behavior. What I don't do, because the serpent wants to remember, yeah, he hurt me and I'll never trust him again. When that comes up, the remembering of the hurt, what do I do? That's the enemy working. And I say, in Jesus' name, I reject that. Go away from me. And then I turn my memory to the good thing. See, active memory, remember me to bring into active memory so it changes my behavior. And when the memory of the offense comes up, I say, no, that's done business. That's past. I reject. I will not live with that memory. Now, I don't forget it. But I don't bring in an active memory. I replace that with, no, I forgave that. So we move ahead on an act of love, and I choose to trust and be vulnerable, but I don't forget, you know, and that, that's a delicate balance, but it's really, really important. We don't remember, but neither do we forget, because we may do it again if we forget it. And then the last thing is we're moving really at this point from victim to victor. Because you stay with the pain and unforgiveness, you're the victim. When you move to forgiveness, you become the victor. Luke chapter 7, back to the passage. If your brother sins, forgive him. 
and he sins against you seven times in the day. Do you know somebody like that? And says, I repent, you must forgive him. Go through the process. Forgiveness, I like this picture. Put it in the trash can. Serpent says, pull that paper out of the trash can and put it back on the desk. And you say, no, reject it in Jesus' name. That's finished business. I will remember the relationship, not the offense, for active memory. If he repents <laughs> and turns to you seven times saying, I repent, you must forgive him. What does it take to forget? What does it take to forgive? Sorry. Next slide here. What it takes to forgive. In Luke 17, the apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. Because it's what it takes. The Lord said, if you had the faith, the grain of a mustard seed, you could say this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it would obey you. And so it takes, it takes the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And it takes faith that God is the one who does the healing work in me and in the one who offended me. Or if I'm the offender, God would do the healing work in the one I've offended and I don't have to walk on eggshells anymore. But I also watch my own behavior by the power of the Holy Spirit. The faith that the Holy Spirit will restore and relate and the faith that God is the one who will take vengeance upon the person who will not repent. I can still forgive and leave it to God. I can still forgive and leave it to God. That's an act of faith. Matthew 18, again, the servant fell on his knees, ignored, have patience with me and I'll pay you everything. That's another fruit of the Holy Spirit is patience. Even in small offenses, it takes some patience and some time, especially if you're not skilled in the process. So I suggest beginning with a small thing and learn the process, then apply it to the bigger things. But it takes patience because that pain is real. And while you're hurting, it's hard to do the process. Take some time, do good things together, overcome evil with good, and that works out. Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount said, go to the one who has something against me. And that initiation that says, well, what is it? In situation X, you know, can you say it with me? In situation X, no, come on, say it. In situation X, when you did Y, I felt Z. That simple formula is just a ground changer. But it takes courage and power of the Holy Spirit to get there. And a key thing is this third point here, is knowing how much Jesus has forgiven me. See, in today's world, we see ourselves as victims of oppression, and that may well be true. We are not taught to see ourselves as sinners who oppress. The Holy Spirit does that. And I love this next verse, 1 John 2, 2. He, Jesus, is the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only, but for the sins of the whole world. See, I don't have to be afraid of my sin. I don't have to be a self-protective around my sin, around Jesus and godly people, because we're in the business of forgiving. We're in the business of receiving healing. The, now, if you're on the serpent, then you've got a real self-protective, because you'll sure get sued and fired. But see, in the church, you're going to be received and restored. In the Christian community, and we can do that even in the business community. 
he is a propitiation for our sins and not ours only, but the whole world. And that's what we're talking about here. Pictures. I love this picture. I don't have to be afraid of my sin. I don't have to be afraid of my stupid. Because I come to the cross and the power of the Holy Spirit who heals and forgives. That's what it's about. Worship team, you want to head back up here? We're about to land this plane. The next side here, I like the way it says it. Forgiveness is the best form of love. It takes a strong person to say sorry and an even stronger person to forgive. See, it seems like forgiveness is weak. It seems like forgiveness will get you in trouble. It actually is strong. But it takes the power of the Holy Spirit and friend to help to do that. This next picture is one that haunts me. I'm an image person. We have no idea what happened to this woman huddling under the sheet in some sort of whatever it is. But what she's written on the wall, anger makes you smaller while forgiveness forces you to grow beyond what you were. I love that. But boy, the power of the Holy Spirit takes to do it. But the fruit is the peaceful fruit of righteousness and love. This next picture, forgiveness is a matter of life and death, and it really is, because death is the breaking of relationship, life is the restoration of relationship. And forgiveness is the way that works with God and with us, because we hide our sin from God, we break the relationship. We need to receive it. Forgiveness, yeah, it's the pathway to freedom. It really is. In this last picture, I love pictures like this that just draw me in and help me ponder what's behind this picture as this grizzled man is hugging his daughter. What happened? What happened? But this is what forgiveness does. It restores relationships or makes it possible. It deals with my anger and bitterness because I release it. I process it. And I walk away a person that realizes I see the power of the Holy Spirit. I can do this. And if you've done it a few times, you can help somebody else do it. And that's a cycle that goes around. I love forgiveness. But it takes the power of the Holy Spirit to do it. Let's pray together. Father, thank you that you forgive. Jesus, thank you for going to a cross to pay the penalty of our sin. Thank you for going across with all the shame involved to take our shame to yourself so you can have, we can have your honor. Thank you for t using your power to give us the power to forgive, to heal, to love even enemies Holy Spirit, show us those places where we need to acknowledge our own offense giving and give us the courage to receive the forgiveness from others and to grant it. Complete the cycle of offense at your capital church, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. If you'd like to give towards this ministry, learn more about our church and events, or are in need of prayer, please visit capitalchurch.co.